tell you how much I love worshiping with you. First of all, you have world-class uh, worship teams here, but there's just something about being with the body and, and experiencing God's presence and savoring God's presence together. And I don't know about you, but um, I, sometimes I can feel very distracted in worship and church. Uh, and, and I have to tell myself, Albert, you're standing on holy ground. Attune yourself to what the Spirit is doing, what the Spirit is saying. And just to be present, just to be present, no distractions. And when that happens, you know, God stirs things in our hearts and and it's good for us just to appreciate in the moment what is actually happening. I love this morning how we sing, um, you can have it all. And, uh, you know, we hear that message all the time in the world where people are telling us, you, you can have it all. And to turn that phrase around and to say, Lord, you can have it all is so Powerful, And this is the renewing, the transforming of the mind. This is what it means to be holy. God does not think the way that the world thinks. And so when our hearts become attuned to God and say, God, I am going to reject that message because you are the one that can have it all. Something changes in us. And, and that wasn't in my notes. That was just me responding, my appreciation for what the Spirit was saying to me this morning. And I pray that's true. Uh, for all of you. So are we available this morning? Let's, let's ask the Lord to speak to us. God, we are available. We are here. Give us your heart, just like we sang this morning. Sometimes we come to you, often we come to you, like excited, expectant, hungry children, just saying, Father, give us, give us the very best of who you are. We want more of you. Father, Papa, Daddy, we are here. We are listening. We are eager. Feed us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, only God is holy, but through association with God, through proximity to God, by being in relationship with God, we can also become holy. God's heart becomes our heart. God's thoughts begin to become our thoughts. God told the Israelites through the prophet Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone." And give you a heart of flesh that is soft, that can feel, that can connect. So by drawing near to God, we can share in God's holiness. In fact, if we can, if we can wrap our minds around the fact that our relationship with God has its own character and rhythms, that God meets with us in all kinds of ways, many of which we have never even considered, then every moment can be holy. Ashley, if I could just share, um, you posted something on Instagram that I thought was so incredibly sweet. 
you said that your son, you discovered last night that he no longer fits on your hip like he used to. He's too big for that. And so you curled up in bed and you just thank God for all the times that you had where he could still fit on your hip. And I just thought, what a perfect expression of a holy moment where you were attuned to something very special that was happening, became sacred, something so simple. And that's what I mean about every moment being holy and relating to God in this rich and multifaceted way. Everywhere we stand can become holy ground. Even the most ordinary moments of our day can be an opportunity to savor God's presence and be changed by God's love. But here's the thing about our relationship with God. God is always on the move. God is not hiding in a mountain or a cave or even in the church, just waiting for us to go and find him. God is always on the move. So we need to learn how to relate to God while we are in motion, as well as when we are still. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, there aren't times when we shouldn't get away for some alone time with God. Jesus did that regularly. He would withdraw from the crowds and find a quiet place to pray, and we should too. That's why I go on those motorcycle camping trips, to draw away. Well, we don't go to these solitary places because that's where God is. We go there because that's where people aren't. It's where all the noise and the obligations and the distractions aren't so that we can quiet our, our spirits and gather our thoughts and, and talk to God undisturbed face-to-face as a, as a person talks to a friend. But God also wants to meet us in the streets and in the city among the people that God loves and died for and wants us to serve because God is at work there. And he wants us to see what he is doing and how he is doing it because he wants us to participate in that work. And so if we really want to know God, we've got to move with God. God says, come. Jesus says, follow. The Spirit says, go. God is always on the move. And the first disciples of Jesus, they they lived this way. They understood this. They they left everything and followed Jesus. They, They watched him. They ate with him. They served with him. That is how they learned what God is really like. Not just from what Jesus said, but from how he lived. And in the very first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, soon after Jesus begins his ministry and starts calling his disciples, there is this encounter that we heard about this morning that that tells us something so important about the heart of God and the nature of God's kingdom. Jesus is, is traveling throughout Galilee. He's preaching in the synagogues. He's healing the sick. He's driving out demons. And then we read in Mark 140 that a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. 
Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. And this will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word anyway, <laughs> proclaiming to everybody what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon followed Jesus, surrounded Jesus. He couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. And so he had to stay out in the secluded places. But people from everywhere kept coming to him. We're going to watch a short video um, from the TV series, web series called The Chosen, which is fabulous and powerful, and it's become uh, part of some my, my family's rhythms. We watch it with our children and, and watch it uh, and, and talk about it afterwards. It's amazing what that has done for my family's faith because my children say this is the first time that I've seen Jesus presented in a way that is so relatable. So relatable. And so as we watch this, I want you to imagine this, is, this, this scene. What, what might this encounter have looked like? And I want you to pay attention to the different people in this scene. What do you notice about the way that Jesus responds to the man with leprosy? How does the man respond to Jesus? What is going on for the disciples as they're watching this? What are they thinking? What do they do? And then how are you responding? What is happening in your heart as you are watching? What are you thinking and what are you feeling? What does this encounter tell us about God's heart, about what God's kingdom is like, about how God moves in the world, thinking about what we've talked about so far this week about God's holiness? How does this scene affirm or deepen our understanding about the holiness of God? What is going on in this scene? What is going on in you? And what do we learn about God? Let's watch together. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. Rabbi, 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 if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you can do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
thank you. <laughs> I I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can I what can I ever do? Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show your result to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Definitely your color. Oh. <laughs> Not too shabby. We learned yesterday in Jesus' day, people believed that to be holy and pure, you had to avoid touching anything related to death, whether that was a person or a thing or a particular activity. And if you did come into contact with death, there were rituals you could perform so that you could be clean again. But lepers were an, a living embodiment of death. Leprosy is mentioned more than 40 times in the Bible. It was considered the most serious disease at the time. And people believe that God inflicted the curse of leprosy on people as a punishment for their sins. They were so feared and despised. They weren't allowed to live in any community except with other lepers. And they had to wear torn clothes and cover their upper lip and stay six feet away from other humans. In other words, to wear a face covering and social distance. And if the wind was blowing, they had to stay 150 feet away. They had to quarantine. And whenever somebody came near, they had to shout, unclean, unclean. There was no cure for leprosy. You stayed away until you either got better on your own or you died. And one of the very first things that Mark records in his gospel is that while Jesus was traveling with his disciples, preaching and healing and casting out demons, a leper came up and knelt at Jesus' feet, breaking the rules and begged to be healed. And Jesus was moved with compassion and reached out and touched him. And instead of being contaminated by this man's sin and disease, Jesus poured life and health into his body, and he was healed. And Mark records this happening early on in Jesus' ministry, before he really began to reveal who he was. And Jesus wanted his disciples to understand something important 
about the heart of God. It was as much for them as it was for this man. He wanted them to understand the nature of the kingdom and the power of the gospel. God is holy. There is no one like God. No one sees us like God sees us. No one loves us like God loves us. He is holy without equal, without compare. And because God is holy, he is compelled to move toward, not away from us in our sin and brokenness and suffering. Holiness is not about avoiding the ugly or the weak or the frightening things of this world. Holiness is about engaging them, healing them, transforming them. And Jesus, because he is holy, sees us in our distress, is filled with compassion, and reaches out and touches us. And we see this pattern all over Scripture. When the first humans sinned in the garden, God went looking for them. Where are you? I've always thought that those three words are, are the pivot point in Scripture. It wasn't when we sinned. It was when God says, where are you? This is the whole story of Scripture. The God who knows that we are lost. We are lost. We don't know who we are. We don't know where we are. And God is on the move calling and seeking and saving and redeeming and restoring until as we read in the very last pages of Revelation that we finally dwell with God until he is with us and we are with him. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Until we see that scene where we are together. In Exodus, God calls to Moses through a burning bush and says, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've, I, I have seen and, and heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God, because he is holy, is filled with compassion, moves toward his people. Jesus said that a man who owns a hundred sheep will leave the 99 and go look for the one who is lost. He said a woman who has, has 10 silver coins and loses one is going to turn the whole house upside down until she finds it. He said that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus, because he is holy, moves toward us. God is holy. He's not like us. God is not repulsed by us, by our sins, by our past, by our pain, by our failure. Whatever you've done, God is not repulsed by you. He will not shut you out. In fact, your brokenness has compelled God to move toward you. Christ has come so that his holiness, his goodness, his love, his grace, his mercy might touch you and make you whole. So you don't have to feel terrible about yourself. There was a time in my life when I thought that to be a Christian, I had to feel terrible about myself. <laughs> That's not what God wants. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. So please don't condemn yourself. God knows that you are hungry, 
God knows you are needy. God knows you are weak. He knows you're hurting. He knows your sins. And he's turned his face toward you and drawn near to you so that you might be healed. He is willing. And he is able. You don't want to know what's even more incredible, though? Jesus doesn't just call us to follow him so that we can be healed, but so that the world can be healed. Whatever Jesus taught, whatever he did, however he treated people, he now says, now I want you to go and do likewise. In the first few chapters of Mark, shortly after this, we we just see Jesus doing one incredible thing after another. He is preaching about the kingdom of God. He is casting out evil spirits, healing the sick. Huge crowds are following him everywhere. And then in Mark 3, we read this. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach the good news that the kingdom of heaven was near and to have authority to drive out demons. Matthew adds a bit more detail in his gospel, saying that Jesus also gave the twelve the authority to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse those who had leprosy. Now, I love that Mark records that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to himself those he wanted. doesn't tell us why Jesus chose these people. We don't know. They're, They're pretty much a bunch of ordinary guys. I mean, several of them were fishermen. They were guys that basically flunked out of rabbi school and had to go home and join the family business. Matthew was a tax collector. Simon the Zealot was a religious and political radical. Judas was a thief, not exactly the cream of the crop, but they were the ones Jesus wanted for the job. And if you are here today, if you're going to be watching this later online, chances are that you are also the one that Jesus wants. Jesus wants you. He's calling you. You are the one Jesus wants to be part of his family. He wants you to be with him and join his revolution of holiness. You are the one that Jesus wants to bring about heaven on earth with him. You are that person. Jesus wants you. Holy people are those who've spent enough time with God that God's nature begins to rub off on them. They begin to to, to think and to act like their master, not because they're better than the rest of us. They've just been changed by their proximity to God. And we read that Jesus did not only share his presence with the disciples, he also shared his power. And he wanted them to participate in what he was doing. He wanted his holiness to be extended through his followers. Not just to heal one leper, but all of them. All who are sick. All who struggle. 
And so just as Jesus welcomed the lepers of his day and touched their lives, so we are to be agents of hospitality and compassion and healing for people on the margins, the poor, the sick, the marginalized, the outcasts. I want to share a story about a a friend of mine. This is Chris Wong, and uh, uh, he was a member of the church that Christine and I pastored at just outside Los Angeles for many years. Amazing man. I've learned so much from him. So gentle, so kind, so Christ-like. And one of the things that we would sometimes do is we would go down to Skid Row outside L.A. There are 91,000 homeless people living in, the Los, Angeles, in Los Angeles County. 8,000 homeless just live within a small 20-block uh, radius that we call Skid Row. And so we would go there sometimes and, and spend some time in prayer with, with people. Sometimes we'd bring clothing. Sometimes we'd, we'd uh, join one of the missions there and serve food. And one time we were there and we were, we were serving uh, dinner to, thank, it was just around Thanksgiving, uh, to some of, the, some of our friends on the, on the, who were living on the street. And this one gentleman could not, uh, he was so sick that he could not uh, walk to get the food and he couldn't, he couldn't lift the food to uh, his mouth and he couldn't hold the plate. His hands were shaking so much. And so Chris, without a second thought, got down on his knees and he became a communion table for this man so that they could share in God's presence together. And he just held the food until the man could, could finish. It was a very simple thing. Chris didn't know that I was taking a picture on the side because I wanted to remember this moment because I saw Jesus here. I experienced, in both, both of these men, I saw Jesus. Chris was moved with compassion to reach out and touch another person's life. And that's a very simple example of, of what holiness looks like. We move towards people in their brokenness and in their suffering. We don't just feel sympathy. We don't just feel bad for people who are suffering. We move to compassion. Compassion literally means, the word literally means to suffer with. Compassion means to suffer with. Now, most of us avoid suffering, but holy people understand that God's love is long-suffering love. In Philippians 3, Paul writes, I consider everything a loss, everything from before my former life, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. I think often we skip over that part. I just want to know Jesus. But he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know that resurrection life and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Our our culture says avoid suffering, make, you know, live your best life now, just just be comfortable. Holy people are not only afraid of suffering, sometimes they actually seek it because they suffer with. 
I have the privilege of knowing uh, many missionaries who work in places in the world where we can't, uh, we can't even tell people what country they're in, what their names are. We have to protect their identities uh, because the work they do is very dangerous. It's in creative access countries. And, uh, and there's a lot of suffering where they go and their families often uh, share in that suffering. Some of you, some of you are going to suffer greatly for the gospel. Every generation. In every generation, some of us suffer greatly for the gospel. Because God is going to give you his heart for the broken and for the suffering, and you will suffer with them. You will identify with the least of these. God is going to ask, who will go for us? And you will say, Lord, send me. It's going to be hard work. Your heart will break. Your heart will break. And your body will be worn down from the strain. But you are going to know Jesus in an intimate way, in the way that many of us never will. You won't be trying to prove anything to anyone. You will just follow Jesus into dark places. And there, your light will shine. I'd like us to, to take a few minutes just to reflect. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and just begin kind of helping us uh, enter into the presence of God with some, some quiet music. And then we're going, to, we're going to close by singing together. But I, I want us to have just a few minutes to just listen to God. What's stirred in your heart today? Holiness is not about withdrawing from the world. It's about moving toward it. And that's what you are being prepared for here at this school. To move toward brokenness. To move towards the problems of the world, not away from them. We are not set apart from the world. We are set apart for the world. And so the question I want you to reflect on is, to whom, to whom? Will I go? To whom am I sent? Who do I identify with among the broken and the suffering? Who is God calling me to reach out to and to touch and to embrace with the love of God so that God's holiness may be extended to every corner of the earth and spend some time in prayer reflecting and then in a few minutes the worship team will lead us in a response thanks for joining us for chapel today be sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for our next gathering